This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but they came together. She, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give, you, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to his son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let me add my welcome too on this great and beautiful Christmas day. Uh, The sun is shining, the harbour is looking good. Uh, but you've made a good decision to be here. Uh, Christmas is indeed a great time of the year, isn't it? Uh, and, and over time, I suppose we've turned uh, Christmas and its celebration to a, a day of postcard perfection. Uh, we just read, or Sean read for us, the powerful account of Jesus' arrival. You know, there's the tension and the scandal of Mary's um, surprise pregnancy and Joseph's fairly understandable concern. Uh, there are the supernatural elements of angelic guidance uh, in dreams and there's the fulfilment of ancient prophecies Uh, and then there's the intrigue of the royal palace. A new king is being announced not just by these magi but the whole created order, even stars are announcing this new king. It's brought to King Herod's attention by foreigners who want to come and worship him and, well, intrigue builds. 
And it's all because that child, that little baby, the one sleeping in the animal's feeding trough, is God himself. Uh, we read in 125, Emmanuel, God with us. He's the saviour of the world, the saviour, the one who comes to save people from their sins in 123. He's the king of the Jews that actually every nation should come and honour in 2 verse 2. It's a powerful account, isn't it? And yet it's not enough for us. Uh, We want it picture, postcard, perfect. Uh, And so each year we reproduce it in a sanitised form. Um, We take out the filth of the stable. You never see dirty stables on Christmas cards, do you? Uh, And the scandal of the circumstances we kind of put to the side. We, We forget how Herod responded to the situation. So if you read on, he goes on and slaughters the young boys of Bethlehem. Because sometimes we find the reality just doesn't sit well with the picture we want in our minds. It reflects the kind of postcard perfection we hope for every Christmas celebration and perhaps you're hoping for today. Now, we dream of that day of peace and goodwill. Uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol captures the sentiment beautifully. Uh, He probably shaped a fair bit of it. Um, Scrooge's nephew says, I've always thought of Christmas time as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people as if they were fellow passengers. And therefore, uncle, though it's never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and I say, God bless it. We love the the ideal of Christmas. Um, More than the presents, more than the trimmings, we love the fact that it holds out the prospect of having good relationships. You know, we, we hope that the usual social barriers that stop us being friends with others kind of get broken down and, and new friendships form uh, by some spirit of, of goodwill just that's hanging in the air. And yet, that kind of postcard perfection is not our experience. Uh, I was walking through North Sydney on Tuesday Uh, The joy of Christmas carols uh, being played by buskers was being drowned out by the impatient honking of horns because somebody was a bit too slow at reacting to that change of lights. Now, Christmas is one of the most stressful times of the year. Um, The expense of of buying uh, gifts hardly makes us feel charitable. It feels like a duty. Uh, the, the pressure of last-minute shopping, if, uh, if you did try and engage the shops even as late as yesterday, with the masses, it's really pleasant, is it? Uh, and add to that, that there's that heightened expectation of, of family togetherness, uh, which can end up being family tension, uh, rather than a kind of freely open hearts. Uh, or for some, all this talk of family can actually be the unpleasant reminder of loneliness uh, or grief for those you've lost. See, rather than being um, a good time, a kind time, a forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, it can be a time where we see the reality that relationships are fractured. Why is that the case? Why is it that we're slaves to actually making the reality of Christmas less than what we hope for? Why can't we just make it perfect? Uh, It's even more important to ask on this beautiful Christmas day, How is it that we can break our slavery to imperfection and failure and fractured relationships? I want to say the answer in part 
lies in that unsanitised reality of the first nativity scene. There's another part of the Bible, uh, Galatians 4, um, it'll be up on your screen, it explains what's going on in the Bethlehem stable this way. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you, are, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, and so you're no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Now Paul, who wrote this part of the Bible, makes it clear that God sent his son because he knew our reality. We are under law and we are therefore slaves. Sounds shocking in this modern era, especially in free modern Australia, and yet we are. Now, he's not referring to uh, the law of uh, this land, the law of Australia. His major concern is not to remind you that as you drive off today, it's a double demerit weekend, so just kind of bear that. That's not Paul's concern. That's just my useful tip for the day. Um, Jesus came to a people who were under the law of God, and yet they found themselves in greater trouble for it. Not that the law is bad, law is actually good. Yeah, 1833, British Parliament abolished slavery. Law is good. Uh, child labour, Equal Opportunity Acts, protecting children and women and people of all ethnic backgrounds. Um, consumer rights, they, they keep me safe from shonky business practice. Um, law is good because it creates the conditions where we can have good relationships. And God's law is perfect. Uh, Jesus, you probably know, sums it up uh, fairly famously in two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And secondly, love your neighbour as yourself. It's hard to dispute, they are good laws. If you kept those laws, not just Christmas Day, but every day would be perfect. God's law is good for us. Of course, providing you keep it. But here's our reality. We are slaves to making our own laws. We are slaves to breaking God's good laws. And therefore we are slaves to imperfection. Uh, a preacher I know uh, once said this concept was challenged about uh, that by someone who heard it. And so he set a simple task. They together agreed lying is not a good thing. So the aim was for this guy who challenged the concept to go away for a week and spend a week without telling a lie. He came back the following week and asked for a second chance. Apparently it only lasted a day. Um, And so, had another week. Returned the following week and was willing to concede the point. He didn't need three or four more weeks to see that he even couldn't keep his own definitions of what was good, let alone God's. And so because of our weakness, God's good laws actually condemn us rather than help us. And because we're slaves to that kind of self-centred living, that's why we're out of step with each other. It's why Christmas isn't as good as Dickens kind of wrote it down to be. It's why stress levels are rising in shops because, quite frankly, I don't love you in the same way that I love myself. Even worse, our natural reality is therefore to be out of step with God, the God who made us. And that's got consequences. Galatians elsewhere says, Cursed 
is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And the sadness is most people don't even see this reality. Most people are fooled into thinking their slavery is actually their freedom. But God knew our reality. And so he sent his son to change our reality. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. Yet Jesus was not born into a a sanitised, postcard perfect nativity scene. There was scandal around his birth and there was filth in his barn and the local authority did want him dead and that all matters because it means he entered reality, the kind of life that you and I experience. Born of a woman. He wasn't just kind of playing with coming to visit an imperfect world, taking a holiday. we, We personally wouldn't choose to move to a down market suburb, let alone migrate to take up third world living in Africa. We wouldn't choose that. But God's son left the beauty and perfection of heaven to be really one of us with all the problems that you and I face. And he was even born under law, uh, placing himself under good law that, that may leave him, like us, under slavery and under God's condemnation. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to redeem us out of that to change our reality, to buy us back from from the problems that we created by our own self-rule. So when you recognise the reality of our imperfection instead of pretending that you're actually free, you start seeing the need for redemption, the need to compensate, the need to pay back. Paul Kelly wrote a song um, how to Make Gravy, it's becoming something of a, a modern Australian Christmas classic. Uh, if you're unaware of the song, it's, uh, it's a letter from Joe who's in prison on the 21st of December. He's writing to his brother Dan uh, and the song just picks up the Australian Christmas experience, all the extended family coming together, uh, presents being dished out, there's that, the mixture of treasure and trash there uh, and the roast. But he won't be there to make the gravy. Uh, he realises that his crime has cost his family, especially his wife and kids. And so the song finishes this way. Uh, Tell her that I'm sorry. Yeah, I love her badly. Tell them all I'm sorry. And kiss the sleepy children for me. You know, one of these days I'll be making gravy. I'll be making plenty. I'm going to pay them all back. But can he? Can Can we really pay the price to fix all the problems we create? Can we really buy ourselves back from breaking faith with other people and God? About a thousand years ago, a bloke named Anselm struggled with this problem. He was disturbed by a problem that he read in Psalm 49, that no man can pay for the sin of another, for each has his own to pay. Anselm saw in his own words, that that our debt was so great that while man alone owed it, only God could pay it. And so the same person must be both man and God. Uh, He goes on to argue how it was necessary that God had to become like one of us, to be one of us. If anyone, if any one of us was going to be brought back to God, 
again in his words about Jesus, the life of this man was so sublime, so precious, that it can suffice to pay what is owing for the sins of the whole world and infinitely more. See, God knew the reality of our problem and so he sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to buy back, to redeem those under the law. God sent his son to give us new reality. Freedom from slavery to sin and broken relationships. In fact, he wanted to make us his children. As Galatians 4 said, to redeem those under law that we might have the full rights of sons. Countess Albina du Bouzravray, and uh, please correct my French later on. Uh, she's closely related to the, the Grimaldi family, the royal family of Monaco. Um, in 2001, she adopted a village in the Gujarat province in India. Uh, by adopting a village, what she did was she actually poured money into rebuilding houses and rehabilitating orphans uh, and reuniting children with their parents. You can only imagine the kind of joy those villagers would have felt. Having someone who is actually powerful, being concerned for them. Having someone of influence who is actually treating them as children in a way that a good parent lavishes love on their child. Jesus saw our imperfection, came to redeem us, take slaves and make them children, repair relationships. And better than that village in Gujarat, Christians can actually call the God of the universe, the one who made all with a word, and call him by the affectionate, intimate name for a father. Call him Abba, uh, not the Swedish rock group, pop group, but uh, the Aramaic word for daddy. And that those who respond to God's love with a, with a, with a longing to love God with all they have, they can share in the inheritance God has. Christmas is a great time of year. It's right to rejoice. Uh, At Christmas we don't have to paper over reality and pretend that it's this unachievable postcard. It's kind of relaxing, isn't it? We don't have to sanitise Christmas. We can acknowledge, yep, we're not perfect. Better than that, we can actually recognise Jesus came to fix that up, to change our reality, change us from slaves to self-interest and make us love children. As Paul recommended to the children earlier, like, like all gifts, the sensible response is say thanks and put it to use. So this Christmas, this day, give thanks that Jesus would, would himself slum it with us to improve our prospects and make use of God's generosity in offering redemption. That child in the manger, God with us, is actually a reminder to put away the imperfections that ruin life. Now, some of us are going to be here today and we need the the Christmas reminder to actually centre every part of our lives around God, not just give him the leftovers of time annually. Because no father's going to be happy with that. Others here need the reminder to love our neighbours as ourselves in a strength that we can derive only from God's spirit within us. We're not going to do it perfectly, not until Jesus comes again, but at least we can struggle. See, most Christians start out the, the, the Christian life Seeing it as a battle, you know, that there's a struggle internally. To, I don't want to return to self-slavery. Uh, I actually want to live as God's child. I want to get rid of those things. But over time, and after many, many years of Christmases, that can fade. And you get content with just little imperfections that are still in life. 
rather than looking for ways to get rid of it. Maybe Christmas is a reminder for you to take it seriously again, to grasp freedom, not slavery. But all of us need the comfort of Christmas, don't we? God sent his son because he knew our reality and he wanted to change our reality. The unsanitised nativity scene. Because God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might share in his inheritance. Now let's give thanks for Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, his willingness to come and be one of us in all our weakness and imperfection to change, to bring us from slavery and make us your children. We thank you for your great generosity and help us this day to be delighting in the gift of your son and delighting in the freedom that he won for us that we can actually live for you and live loving others. Amen.